Good morning, church family. Welcome to this live stream worship resource of the Grace DC Network. For those of you who may not know me, I'm Duke Kwan, one of the pastors at Grace Meridian Hill and also one of the pastors of the Grace DC Network. And I'm grateful, really grateful to be with you this morning, especially in light of these troubled times that we find ourselves in. And it's a strange thing, isn't it? We, we cannot worship as we normally do, but we need to turn our attention to Christ more than ever. Uh, we can't gather together even though we need each other more than ever. And so we want to spend this time together, these few minutes, these precious minutes, to renew our minds, to refresh our hearts. And even knowing that we're doing this together, many people, literally hundreds of people connected together online, uh, we are right now doing this as a body, as a community, and as a family. And so can we begin? And let's go ahead and start our call to worship. This comes from Psalm 27. If you have the liturgy guide, uh, the one-sheet bulletin um, in front of you, we'll read responsively, and we will take turns, me and then you, if you could come in. But these are words of hope and a reminder of the God whom we serve today. Let's read this together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid together? One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock together. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You sound fantastic. Uh, no, just kidding. I can't hear you. But God can. Let's pray to him together. God, thank you for this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will be glad by faith, even in times of trouble, and we will come, as you've called us to come, to worship you, to be reminded of your goodness, your promises, and we pray that even as we're scattered in different places, we are gathered in Jesus' name, and that means something significant, that it's because of you, Christ, that we can draw near to the throne of grace, and we know that you are present with us, your body. And so we ask that you would send your spirit wherever we are, and that you would help us now to be renewed and refreshed, and for us to worship you. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, even in this time of sequester, as we are uh, in different places, one thing we need to remember is that Sin itself never gets quarantined. And in some ways, with more pressures come more temptations. And so it's a good thing for us to come to God honestly and to confess our sins. More importantly, to believe in the promise of God's wonderful grace. So you'll find a printed confession, and that's written so that even you kids can participate. But this is for the grown-ups too. And so let's read and pray this together. Dear God, 
Thank you for loving me even when I disobey you. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me because Jesus died for my sins. Thank you for your never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Amen. I want to give you a moment to pray silently, privately yourself, and come and bring your sins to God and believe he'll forgive you too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We've all been washing our hands a lot, and so here's actually something for you to remember for 20 seconds every time you wash your hands and something you need to remember even now, and it's this. Jesus has washed away the stain of your sin. Listen to this promise from Ezekiel 36 and 1 Corinthians 6. This is God talking to you. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And all God's people said together, amen, amen being renewed in our confidence that we are indeed forgiven and loved in Christ, we actually now have even stronger, fresher confidence that our Heavenly Father really does hear our prayers. So can we just spend a, a moment to pray for our city, for our nation, for our neighbors, for ourselves in these troubled times? So I, I, I'm going to read together with you over the corporate prayer that's printed in your sheet and Please join in at the end of each line with the simple prayer, hear our prayers, O Lord. You'll find that printed in the bold print. So can we pray together? Sovereign Lord, our refuge, fortress, helper, protector, and king. For all throughout our city and nation who are affected by coronavirus, through illness or isolation or fear, that they may find relief, recovery, and the endurance of Christ together. Hear our prayers, O Lord. For those especially vulnerable, the immunocompromised and the elderly, that you would protect them and that we may be alert to their needs together. Hear our prayers, O Lord. For the ill and gravely ill, that you would heal them and that they may know the comfort and presence of Christ. Hear our prayers, O Lord. For doctors, nurses, and researchers, that you would provide the resources they need and that through their skill and insight, many will be restored to health together. Hear our prayers, O Lord. For those who are guiding our city and nation at this time and shaping policies, that they may make wise decisions and lead us well together. Hear our prayers, O Lord. I want to give you a brief moment to pray for our neighbors and our city and our nation and world. Pray what's on your heart and believe that God 
will hear you. We have confidence that you have heard our prayers. And so we pray these with expectation and with joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's hear from God's word now. Some of our hearts, I don't know about you, some of our minds have just been flooded with headline news. You know, we need to be refilled in our hearts and minds with good news, the good news of Jesus. Kids can follow along using the sheets, grown-ups too. Uh, kids, you can even draw a picture of the story that you're about to hear. This is a passage that Pastor Yancey preached not long ago in our congregation, and he ministered to me so powerfully. I've been thinking about it ever since, and I want to bring you some reflections from it. So let me start by reading from 1 Kings Chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now skipping down to verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times 
and cry to the Lord, Oh Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. The word of the Lord. I'm gonna draw to our attention four themes four themes that we find in the story. And the first one is faith in the midst of famine. Fear haunted the region. Fear haunted the region as people faced shortages of all kinds. I'm referring to the days of Elijah in this passage, but I could almost be speaking about our lives today. God had brought about a drought. And in a farming society like theirs, nothing could be more frightening. No rain meant no crops, no livestock, no food, no life. Elijah meets a widow at the city gates of Zarephath, and she's just scared for herself and for her son. Her cupboards are finally empty, and she has no one else to lean on. In those days, just like in ours, Disaster always harms the most vulnerable the most. So she's just gathering sticks for a fire so she can cook her final meal. Just like with this widow's life, for the past several weeks, especially the last two weeks, our lives have been drastically altered by unseen forces of nature, forces far beyond our control. Our city, nation, our world are plagued by the fear of disease and even death. And even if some groceries have been harder to come by, we're not quite facing a literal famine, but we are struggling right now with different kinds of shortages, what you might even call a famine of security. We're facing a a famine of peace of mind. Even if it's by design, we're facing a a famine of social contact. Uh, Many are facing a famine of the normalcy of routine and the chaos that that's introduced. Uh, For some, the, the famine of job security is knocking on your door. Brothers and sisters, where do you feel most famished today? What, what famines are plaguing your soul? That part of your life where you've been finding the the grocery shelves of your heart bare and empty, completely out of resources. And so we find ourselves flooded by fears of all kinds, and not just the fear of disease and death, but the fear of all these other famines as well. And so we need to hear this from the Lord. In the midst of fear and famine, in verse 13, Elijah says to this widow, do not fear. Do not fear. Right now, it's really easy to give in to fear, isn't it? To let fear have dominion 
over our thoughts, our conversations, our actions. You may not have a prophet right now living in your home to give you peace, but in fact, you have someone better. You have the personal presence of the true Elijah, the one to whom Elijah points us, Jesus himself. Hear the word of the Lord today. Do not fear. The Lord is near to you. God loves you and God is with you. And nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, not disease and not even death. There's a second theme that we find in this passage. Second, generosity in the midst of scarcity. Generosity in the midst of scarcity. Earlier, God met Elijah's needs by sending ravens, birds that fed him by a brook. But God also sees sees fit to meet Elijah's needs through the generosity of another human being. The widow made bread day after day, and she shared some with Elijah. And of course, it would have taken faith for her to do this, right? She had to really believe Elijah's promise, God's promise, that he would replenish her little storehouse in the form of a jar and jug. Each time she scooped out the flour and poured the last drop of oil, it would have felt like the last of what she had God had called her to a season of generosity, giving sacrificially right at the time when she'd most be tempted to save herself and forget about others. But she was enabled by God to trust the Lord and to love her neighbor. It's a strange thought to ponder. Even coronavirus isn't a reason to let self-centeredness go viral. Not in our hearts and not in our communities. Because God, God calls us, his people, to generosity even in the midst of scarcity. Indeed, especially in the midst of scarcity. And of course, we're tempted to become afraid that we're going to run out, run out of energy, run out of love, run out of toilet paper. And in fact, we do run out. Our human resources are in short supply, all the more so in days like these. But will we believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, God won't let the jugs and jars of our souls to run empty? Our cup runneth over. A a, a river of eternal life bubbles forth from our hearts. And of course, the first way that we're loving each other, generously serving our neighbors with generosity is by social distancing. We're we're loving our neighbor by our absence. But I want to remind you, don't forget, social distancing refers to our physical presence. 
But it does not mean we should be, at this time, relational distancing or fellowship distancing. Because we, we need each other more than ever. We should be calling and reaching out to and Zooming each other more, not less. Grace Meridian Hill elder Steve Davis recently shared a, a really helpful quote by Rabbi Yosef Konevsky. And these are words that he said. Every hand that we don't shake should become a phone call that we place. Every physical embrace that we avoid must become a verbal expression of warmth and concern. So who do you need to call? Yeah, even today. How can we creatively show our love to spend ourselves on each other, even as others generously reciprocate and spend themselves on us. Because here's the mystery of gospel love, especially in a time like this. In this season of inconvenience, we should be, by God's grace, more willing, not less, to inconvenience ourselves even more for the sake of brother, sister, and neighbor. Even in, and especially in seasons of scarcity, God calls us to sacrificial generosity. And don't forget, the most important thing you need to know, dear friends, is that the jug of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty. A third theme that we find in this passage is this, lament in the midst of loss. Lament in the midst of loss. Tragedy strikes the widow's home. Her son becomes ill, and his illness becomes so severe, we're told, that eventually he dies. Immediately and understandably, the widow erupts with emotion. She says to Elijah, Why have what have you against me, O oh man of God? You, you've come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. So here, grief brings her to two places, accusation and guilt. This is your fault. This must be my fault. These are emotional days. We shouldn't be surprised when people around us erupt with emotion. But notice how Elijah laments too. He brings his emotions to God. He cries out to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Those are direct words, challenging words. Friends, think about this. It, it may not be the loss of life itself. For some of you, perhaps it may be. But every one of us has lost things over the past few weeks. Some have lost financial resources, jobs. Plans have drastically changed. Projects postponed, canceled. Some have lost things dearly in a way that just has your mind and heart spinning. Brothers and sisters, have you brought these losses before your heavenly father? 
Have you lamented these losses? You know, because in times like this, it's it's actually really easy to just buckle down and carry around vague but unarticulated feelings of disappointment or grief. But what this passage teaches us is that we need to bring our emotions to God and even to say them out loud before him. God, I'm really disappointed about this. God, I'm mad about this. Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity upon us? How long, oh, Lord? God invites you to lament in the midst of loss, not to bottle it up and not just to soldier forward numbly to the next thing and also not to medicate it and to turn to other unhealthy modes of coping. God wants to be the God of lament with you and for you. Will you bring your true and honest heart before him? He'll receive you. You have his permission to do so. More than that, you have his fatherly care, his sympathy, his love. But he also invites you to see him as the God of living in the midst of dying. And this is our fourth and final theme, living in the midst of dying. This is the climax of the story. Elijah brings the boy, carries him up into his room. We're told he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried out to the Lord. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. The boy somehow was revived. His life returned. Resurrection. And the point of this part of the story is not, of course, that God will keep you from getting sick. No, please stay home and keep washing your hands. And the point certainly isn't that God will resuscitate you immediately if anything bad were to happen. No, so look out for yourself and your neighbors. The point is rather that God holds complete authority over every principality and power in our world, even over death itself. There's nothing that's outside of his control. The point is that death never has the last word. Pestilence, disease, and fear don't have the last word. This too shall pass. Do you believe it? And one day, not only this disease, but all disease and even death itself will be extinguished from our world when Christ finally returns. This is the great hope of the Christian faith. Coronavirus doesn't have the last word. Jesus does. And we know this because even this passage points us to that day when there would be another son who would die and after three days would be revived again as conqueror of sin and death so that in his life, in 
the life of Jesus, we might have life, that we might have life and have an indestructible hope. Today, there's a lot of uncertainty about the future, but I wonder if part of our anxiousness is because we're actually not looking far enough into the future. I mean, what's the long, long, even longer view of what's going on right now? It's this, as Scott Sauls has put it, do you know the worst case scenario for those who are in Christ is resurrection and eternal life. For those who are in Christ, even if you die, you shall never die, but shall live. This is the hope of resurrection, the hope we have in Christ. And so in light of that, we can be vigilant. We can love generously, lament freely, and not be afraid. Because don't you know who we are? Who are we, brothers and sisters? In Christ, we are people of the resurrection. A hundred years ago, the world was pummeled by another terrible outbreak, the influenza pandemic of 1918. And our city, Washington, D.C., got shut down. Schools were closed as they are today. Stores were closed and even churches too. And when that terrible disease finally passed, the great African-American preacher, Francis Grimke, reflected in a sermon on, on what God perhaps was doing based upon his word. What do we know about what God might be doing in, in and through that outbreak? Grimke was the pastor of 15th Street Presbyterian Church in the Shaw neighborhood down the street, and he later confessed that at first he was rattled by the disruption, plans falling apart, but then he gained perspective, and this is what he wrote. I started to worry at first as it seemed to upset all of our plans. But I soon recovered my composure. I said to myself, why worry? God knows what he's doing. His work is not going to suffer. It will rather be a help to it in the end. Out of it, I believe great good is coming. All the churches, as well as the community at large, are going to be the stronger and better for this season of distress through which we have been passing. Let me read that last line again. Out of it, I believe, great good is coming. All the churches, as well as the community at large, are going to be the stronger and better for this season of distress through which we have been passing. Friends, you can only talk like that if you believe in resurrection. You can only believe that if you believe that God is in the business of bringing life out of death. And if you believe that Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. Let's pray. Jesus, we believe that you're alive and that that changes everything. Help us to behold the promise of resurrection 
first in you many years ago and one day through you in us, raised together with you. Make this promise, this truth, alive and powerful in our hearts in a way that gives us freedom to lament, gives us love to serve generously, even in the midst of scarcity, to be able to overcome those nagging and sometimes debilitating bouts of fear and anxiousness. Oh, Lord Jesus, set us free. We pray to you in Christ's name, our resurrected Savior. Amen and amen. I want to bless you now with a, a, a benediction, a word from God's word. This is Romans 8, and it's a promise for you. Receive this from our Savior. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. Great being with you. I encourage you to take some of the YouTube links that you have in front of you or to gather in small communities with one another and to sing. Uh, we need songs in our hearts more than ever before. Let's sing in community and sing with faith. Friends, blessings to you. Blessings to you today and all throughout this coming week. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.